Good morning, Door of Hope. It's good to be here with all of you. Uh, I hope you guys are, are finding this Christmas season to be fairly good thus far. Maybe for some of you it's been a little bit crazy and, and chaotic. I, I'm not sure. But as we prepare for Christmas, I, I thought it'd be a good idea to, to step away. Uh, Josh and I talked a little bit about the, the teaching series and the, the message for today. And we are set up to go over the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, and nothing screams Advent and anticipation <laughs> of Jesus like that story right there. So uh, with that, we're going to step away, and, and we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are a good God that you love us, that you're for us, you're not against us. And we see your goodness and your compassion and your kindness towards us through your son, Jesus Christ. And right now, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would be present, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you would have to say to us. Would you speak through me right now I decrease that you might increase, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. And Christmas, I, I would imagine that there are a handful of you that are getting ready to, to travel out of town right now. How many, how many people are, are preparing to, to travel out of town right now? Yeah? How many people are preparing to host out-of-town guests right now? Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I, we went uh, out of town we took a cross-country flight 
to southern Mississippi, to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to visit my wife's side of the family. And we took our two toddlers on an airplane across the country. There it is. Yep. You, thank you, parents. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my son Curran is running around with uh, the wings from, from the, the airplane, and people are always asking him, oh, where did you get those? And, and I say, that's mommy and daddy's badge uh, of just glory for making it through that flight, because it was, it was terrifying, and it was terrible for, for us. Two toddlers on an airplane, and I, and I think few images encapsulate just the stress and the chaos and the anxiety that, that some of us experience over this holiday season better than toddlers on an airplane and traveling with toddlers. I mean, even if your family's mostly grown up or semi-adult, chances are that this holiday season, some of the stress and, and some of the anxiety and the chaos that you're about to experience will be in large part due to the fact that someone will be behaving like a toddler. I, I, right? I mean, it, it's like something's wrong with the food, and so there's a hunger strike, and then there's the temper tantrum to go along with it, or it's on the exact opposite end. It's like we're going to consume all the sugary things we can find, be bouncing off the walls, and then the, the sugar crash happens, and it, it usually ends with a lot of tears and a lot of sobbing in the living room, or, or maybe... Maybe somebody is going towards the adult beverages a little bit too much, you know, and and then all of a sudden they start speaking with the bluntness and the brutal honesty of a toddler, and you're just like, what's going on right now? I mean, that's the holiday season. That's the the Christmas season, And, and so picture this for a second. My wife and I, we land in PDX at 9.30 at night after about 10 and a half hours of travel, both of us have two, two bags with us. We have a car seat apiece and then a child that's accompanying those car seats. And we are just trying to make it to the door. Just make it. And both children are screaming and crying at the top of their lungs as we are going through the airport because their biological clocks think that it's midnight. They are just exhausted, screaming. And we're passing by people and there are people that are giving us the like, you know, that sort of look. And then there are other people that are giving us the look of just like, oh my gosh, you are blowing it and you just, I can't even believe you right now. And we finished that day by, by just going to bed, getting a few hours of sleep. And my wife, she woke up the next morning at four in the morning. She's a rock star and she went to work. And she worked for the morning. I had the children for part of that time. And then we did the handoff. And then I I went to a doctor's appointment with my father. And then I got done with that. And I went to a coffee shop just to sit down and to catch up on emails. And while I'm there, I ask the barista, I say, hey, what's the Wi-Fi password? And she says, global panic. (laughs) I think... That's fitting. That's exactly how I feel right now. Just it's like chaos. I'm exhausted, traveling, all of it. And and then I sit down, and this is what I see. Hi, Jenny. Wi-Fi password. Global panic. Peace. 
And I think that that image right there articulates the Advent season that most of us are getting ready to embark on, right? It's a brief note from a friend or a loved one. It's filled with global panic in our world, just sheer chaos, all with the word peace in all caps written below it as if somehow peace is supposed to like permeate this whole entire situation and, and season. And I don't know if your experience is similar to my experience, but I've found that this time of year generally tends to be the least peaceful time of year for me. It has all of the stressors that create global panic in my life. And yet it's in the midst of all of that that we gather here this Sunday and we're reading this story a story that's really familiar to a lot of us, a story that we read the same time this year, a story that we've heard a thousand times before for some of us. For some of us, it might be a new story. And what I'd like to do right now is rather than go on and on about 20 different things happening in this story, because there's a lot that can be said about this story, and there's a lot that has already been said about this story. What I'd like for us to do right now is I'd like for us to focus in on the announcement and a few different responses to that announcement. So the announcement, Luke chapter two, verse 10. But the angel says to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be the cause of great joy for all the people. And what is this good news? It's a birth announcement. It's the announcement of a child being born. But it's not just any announcement, and it's not just the birth of any child. It's a royal announcement. Check out verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, or some of your translations might say he is Christ, the Lord. And that's because the Greek word translated here for Messiah is the Greek word Christos. It's Jesus' last name. That's not true. I'm just kidding. I'm surprised nobody was like, give me one of those looks. It's not Jesus' last name. Christus, it means Messiah or anointed one. And then that is followed up by the the word Lord with a capital L. And the Greek word used there is kyrios, and that means master. It's a term that was used by servants towards their master, and it's a term that engenders a lot of reverence and respect. It's a term that was used quite frequently back in Jesus' day, especially referring to the ruler of the known world at that time, Caesar. Caesar is Lord was a common phrase. And so this is clearly a royal announcement. And how do people respond to this royal announcement? How do the shepherds respond to this? Verse 15 When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So the shepherds, the first way that they respond is they respond by investigating for themselves. They take action. This announcement is of so much importance, of so much weight, that they are willing to stop what they're doing. They're willing to set aside their job and go and investigate and look for themselves as to what is going on with this announcement. And for some of us, that might be where we're at. For some of us, we might have heard this story a thousand times before. But we maybe need to investigate and look further and look closer for ourselves. To take a close look at this this new king. The second way that the shepherds respond is they respond by sharing this news with others. In verse 17, verse 17, you see it here. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. So they shared with those around them. When they found this child, just as the angels had had told them, they shared this news that this child is Lord that this child is Messiah. And they shared that news with everyone around them. And finally, the the final way that they respond is they respond with worship. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They go back to work. They go back to ordinary life. And as they're going, they're worshiping. They've come in contact with this new king. They've experienced him. They've seen him up close. And it causes great joy and worship for them. In everyday, ordinary life, as they're going back to it, they're worshiping him. Another response that we can observe here is the response of the angel or the angels. So the angel makes this announcement, and then what happens? They're joined by a heavenly host of angels. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So how many is a host of angels, a heavenly host of angels? Is that like a baker's dozen? Just get like one extra? Is it three, three million, three hundred million? I'm not sure, but I really love the way that the NET Bible translates this passage right here. It says that, that the angel was joined by a vast heavenly army. A vast heavenly army. The idea and the image is that it's a lot. Rank and file, just filling it up. And how does this heavenly army respond to this announcement? They sing. They sing praises. And they sing out, glory to God in the highest heaven. And then the bases come in and they sing, and peace on earth. 
And then now the tenors and the baritones are going to go on their run, and they're going to start singing goodwill, goodwill towards men, and then we're going to have glory to God again. Hindle's Messiah. Oh, wait. What does it say? It says, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And that inevitably brings about the question, on who does his favor rest? His favor rests on those who acknowledge and see him as Lord and master of their life through the birth of this child here, through Jesus. Those who submit to his rule, his reign, his lordship. Hence why this announcement in verse 10 is good news that will be the cause of great joy for all the people. Did you notice that in verse 10? The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be the cause of great joy for all the people. The angel doesn't say that this is good news that will be the cause of great joy for all people. And the Greek word translated here, people, is not the Greek word anthropos. The Greek word anthropos is the Greek word from which we get our English word anthropology, as in humanity, mankind, male and female, in the generic sense of that word. And that's not the word that's translated here, people. What's translated here is the Greek word leos. Leos. And this is a specific group, a tribe, a nation, all of those who are of the same stock. So this is good news that will be the cause of great joy for all the people of God's kingdom. Those who see him as ruler and Lord of their life. Those who are a part of his kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I very much believe that Jesus Christ came into the world for all people. For God so loved the world, the whole world. I very much believe that. But not everyone in this world responds to this message and receives him as Lord of their life. And as a result, this is not good news. It's not received as good news. It does not bring about great joy. And they do not experience peace on earth. Another response that comes to mind in the birth story is the response of Herod in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, Herod receives this very same birth announcement. And he does not at all think that this is good news. In fact, he thinks this is terrible news. And in fact, it is not the cause of great joy in his life, is it? It's actually the cause 
of a lot of fear and anxiety and stress, and it becomes so dramatic and so drastic that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, what does he do? Is there peace on earth in that passage? He orders and has people sent up to the region of Bethlehem and the surrounding area to kill all of the newborn baby boys up to the age of two as a response to this announcement. That does not sound like good news that causes great joy that the angels are singing about with peace on on earth. And the same is true for for many of us today. For for many of us, our response to this Christmas season right now is one that's filled with more anxiety and stress than great joy and peace on earth. I mean, for some of us, our Christmas season is filled with more anxiety and stress as a result of watching our bank account slip closer and closer to zero. Because the kids' Christmas wish list doesn't match up with with our bank account. For some of us, this time of year does not bring about peace on earth. And that is because our extended family is the literal embodiment of the opposite of that phrase. You know? It's like the the grandparents are arguing over whose house the grandkids are going to stay at. Uncle Ted and Aunt Lisa are in the living room just arguing and and going at one another again. Cousin Bud is out in the back smoking Bud and having a Bud, and we all know where that's going. And you're just sitting there and you're like, what's going on right now? I thought we were getting together to celebrate this good news that's supposed to be the cause of great joy. And, you know, in this story right here, angels come out of the sky and they're like, hey, peace on earth. All that's happening. And I'm sitting at mom and dad's dinner table right now looking around. And I'm like, that is not my experience. And don't even get me started about the car ride getting there, right? Or the airplane trip to get there. Why? What's going on? And I think the reason why so many of us experience the exact opposite of what this passage is talking about here is because the flip side of the phrase, Jesus is Lord, is the phrase, I am not Lord. I'm not ruler. And what I've found in my own life personally is that the anxiety, the stress, the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the chaos that I experience during this time of year oftentimes is a result of me feeling like my kingdom is out of control or under attack. And that's the response of Herod. And what that's an indicator of is that's an indicator of my heart and my understanding of what power and status and control look like. 
because power is with the wealthy. We see that all the time this time of year. Power's with those who have the ability to give really fancy, really expensive, and a lot of really nice gifts to their children or to their family. Status is my accomplishments this year. 2017 was just a stellar year. I got these promotions. I did this over here. I, I remodeled this. I did that, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just going to get my, my working bullet points ready so that I can share them at the office Christmas party, so I can share them with my relatives and prove to everybody around me that I've got it together and that I'm really worth something. Control is my ability to, to control the home environment to the point where we can have the, the perfect Christmas meal at the perfect Christmas time with all of the family coming in and we've got the songs playing and everything's happening and we can Instagram it and we can share this perfect story and share it with the world and everybody can see how awesome and perfect and together it is. And when things don't start to match up the way that I want them to, the way that I think they should with my understanding of what power and control and status look like, then this time of year is not a time of year of great joy. It's not the cause of great joy. It's the cause of great stress, anxiety. And I don't experience peace on this earth. I may not be like here. I may not be like going around trying to, to really hurt somebody, but I'll, I will certainly be mean as a result of my kingdom being infringed upon, as a result uh, of people around me not adhering to the norms and the customs of how I think that my kingdom should run. And what Luke is doing all throughout his gospel, but specifically here in this birth story, is he's challenging our understanding and our notions of what power and status and control and influence look like. He's challenging our traditional boundary markers of what a king and a kingdom should look like. Joy and peace are not wrapped up in a lot of possessions. It's not wrapped up in things. It's not even wrapped up in royal linens. Joy and peace is being wrapped up in peasant cloths and lying in a manger. Joy and peace is not in picture-perfect, Instagram-worthy circumstances. It's in traveling chaos and having to bum a place with people that I haven't seen for a really long time and the awkwardness that ensues with that. See, joy and peace are wrapped up in a person. They're wrapped up in this king, this Lord that's being announced. And what type of king is this that announces his birth to poor shepherds? And what type of kingdom is this? It's an upside-down kingdom in which little children are held up as the example, for such is the kingdom of heaven. 
It's a king that every man and woman can approach. Humbly. It's a king that has identified himself so fully and so completely with broken and sinful humanity. That he would be born, take on flesh. And what is more weak and vulnerable than a newborn child? And this Christmas season is a chance for us to intentionally pause and reflect. And the final response I want us to look towards is the response of Mary. How does she respond to this announcement? Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I don't know what this Christmas season is looking like for you. If it already feels a little out of control, a little chaotic. But I do know that this morning is an invitation for us to pause to treasure the good news that we worship a God who has fully identified himself with us and our brokenness. That he would humble himself and come in the form of a newborn baby child. And we worship a king who is not distant or far removed, but we worship a king who calls himself Emmanuel, God with us that regardless of what your circumstances are like this Christmas season, regardless of what the, the family situation is like this season or what it's looking like and just the pressure and the anxiety that seems to keep building up, that we worship a king and a God who is with us, who said that he will never leave us or forsake us, And our experience of this good news that will be the cause of great joy, the one that the angels and the heavenly hosts, the vast heavenly army proclaim peace on earth towards, will be directly dependent upon our response to that news. And our understanding and acknowledgement of him as Lord of our lives and surrendering our lives to him, giving our lives fully and completely to him and recognizing that this Christmas season is not about my kingdom. It's actually the exact opposite. Jesus, it's about your kingdom. And your kingdom does not look like how I want my kingdom to look like a lot of times. Because your kingdom looks like it's wrapped up in peasants' cloths and lying in a manger. It looks weak and it looks vulnerable. And yet, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's how we all are. 
we can front all day long. We can try and pretend. We can try and make it look like we've got it all together. And this Christmas season, it's like, this is when the Academy Awards are for that. So we'll just do it. And this morning is an invitation to come to him and give this to him. To walk away like the shepherds, worshiping and glorifying God for experiencing Jesus, for knowing Jesus, for being in a relationship with him. To walk away from here into this Christmas season like Mary, pondering and treasuring this in our heart. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what takes place in the next few weeks, and to reflect Jesus to those around us. Amen?